Hello and welcome. This is Robert Cahoon and welcome to The Pulse. I am really honoured and blessed to be um, to have Helen Boulder, who is the interviewee today. Uh, Helen Boulder is a mother of three grown-up daughters and grandmothers to five grandchildren. Um, she's worked for 29 years for the University of Glasgow in different administrative posts and now as a general teaching assistant administrator. She's been very active in her parish since she was young, reader, extraordinary minister, member of the parish council, and she started the Friends of the Divine Mercy Scotland with Father John Keelan, who was a chaplain at the time, now Bishop of Paisley, um, and the remit of the Friends of Divine Mercy Scotland is to basically promote the Divine Mercy apostolate, to ask the mercy of God to be merciful to others and to completely trust, and so it is to start a Divine Mercy network promoting the good news of the gospel. They have an annual conference, and they also work in prisons, churches, schools, on the streets of the cities, but also they've got this great project, wonderful project we're going to hear about, about taking a mercy bus, um, a large double-decker bus, a mercy bus out for a, a week in the year, offering sacrament of reconciliation, giving away rosaries, chaplets, miraculous medals. We've had a couple of hundred people on the bus, even during COVID, uh, handing out thousands of medals and prayers as well. So Helen was um, a member of the... Uh, choir, um, also at the cathedral for over five years now, and she's uh, studied part-time for six years whilst bringing up her family as well. So, um, Helen, it's really great to have you with us today. How, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, I, I just mentioned you had this quite surreal experience last night because um, I was watching the interview you did with uh, Catholic Street Evangelization uh, with John Roger, I watched the interview to prepare and then I was writing you a message and then you called just at the same time. So um, it, was, it was quite, quite surreal. But, God, that's uh, mysterious ways. <laughs> that's right. So I just covered kind of briefly sort of a background. Um, tell us about your, your personal faith journey and um, have you always been Catholic? What, how has your journey with God been your personal story and your personal faith story before we come on to the Divine Mercy and, and, the, and the Mercy Bus? a bit later on so tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, well I was brought yeah, I was brought up in a Catholic family and my mum was a convert and no one went to her wedding from her own family because she was marrying a Catholic and she ended up a better Catholic than my dad but I was very involved in the church from I was a very young girl helping with the garden helping with the church singing in choirs but I actually felt as if when I grew up, I realised that I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, Robert. And it was, I'd been, I'd got married, I had three children. And um, my husband worked at Glasgow University as well. And after we were married for 25 years, had a lovely mass, had a party for over 100 people. And we went to Spain, he left me in Spain and I had to come back and tell our three children that their father had left us. And that was quite traumatic. I mean, even now, many, many years later, when I think of it, I can still feel myself getting upset. But when I look back, I know that that was the journey that I had to walk to become closer to Christ. And I used to say to the girls, remember, it's not what happens to us, it's how we deal with things. That's what's most important. So for about a couple of weeks, I walked about like a bit of a zombie and... Um, I realised that if I didn't get back together, I would have lost my house, my car, and possibly my job, because um, for a couple of weeks, I just kept going to Mass in the morning, 
crying through it very quietly and then getting into the chapel house and sitting with the priest. And I just felt as if I was in somewhere surreal and it was someone else's life. But this morning I was sitting praying very quietly and everybody was going out to church. And this lady, who's now my best friend, Ruth Cairns, came to me and said, I've got this Divine Mercy book and I was to give it to someone else. But God's just told me to give it to you, Helen. And I thanked her very much. But at that point in my life, I didn't really know about the Divine Mercy devotion. But I was so down and I was so desperate. And I looked up at the crucifix and I said, Lord, if you can get me out of this situation and let me hold on to my gift of joy, I'll bring souls to heaven through your Divine Mercy. Not Robert having a clue what that really meant. But knowing that if I gave my word to God, he would give his word to me and that he wouldn't let me down. And for all that I didn't have it, I wouldn't say that I had as close a relationship then that I have with him now. I thought, right, trust, trust, trust. That's always my mum always said that, trust in God, trust in our blessed baby. So that's what I did. And over the years following that, I went to Medjugorje a few times and I was sitting on Apparition Hill. And I could feel her lady saying, I want you to go to confessions. And I'm like, why have I to go to confessions? And all of a sudden, this sin came to my mind that I committed years and years ago. And I didn't really think it was a sin. And I thought, you're taking the micker, lady. You know I don't like walking. So I had to walk all the way down to Apparition Hill again. And I found this priest. And he started shouting at me. It was an American priest. And he's going, I've been up all night with them. These students from Germany and I don't have to, and I went, Father, calm your jets, it doesn't matter, I'll go to another priest, but a lady sent me to you. And all of a sudden his persona changed and he sat down and I shared my journey with him and said that our Lord seems to have a, a mission for me and our lady and they want me to speak to you and tell you about it, but also to confess this sin. So he was absolutely brilliant. We spoke for a long time. Next morning, six o'clock, I go way back up Apparition Hill and I could hear our lady saying very clearly, in all things, be faithful to my son and give the glory to my son and always obey your spiritual director. And I could feel God's presence and our lady's presence as if they were just sitting beside me. I couldn't see them physically, but I could feel their presence very, very strongly. And then I heard our Lord saying, I want you to start a peer group, Helen. I was like, no way, Father, I, I, I go to lots of peer groups. I'm in this, I'm in that. And, but then when I looked back, Robert, I realised it's pride. I was scared in case it wouldn't work, in case it wouldn't be successful. And then I would get the blame of it. But again, that was the old Helen. Now I just do what God asks. And if it's to survive or if it's to be successful, then the Lord lets it be successful. So I came away from Medjugorje, as I say, I visited it many times. I used to get called the Medjugorje lady in the university with the students. because <laughs> I was always going on about what a wonderful place it was and how I had a transformation there. I got very involved in Glasgow University chaplaincy because, as I say, Father John Keane was my spiritual director um, for a very long time. And it was only when I met him, Robert, that I realised that I was in the wrong path, that I... Yes, I loved God and I believed that Christ had died for me. I believed that he rose again and I believed in all the sacraments and I tried to be a good person, but trying to be a good person isn't good enough. 
it really isn't. We're all called by, we're baptism to evangelise. And I don't mean stand in a street corner and shout and scream. What I mean is just sitting with a cup of coffee with a friend, going to somebody's house if they need you, helping an old lady or an old man across the road. And it was like all the things that I read in scripture, all the holy books that I'd read as a child, all came alive through Father John. And one of the first um, books he gave me was in St. Therese of Lazur. And I fell in love with that saint. And I thought, oh my God, it's so simple. And you've just made it so complicated. So from then on, I said to the Lord, I give you everything I have. I don't really have very much. I'm just this wee girl from Linwood. But I promised you that I would try and bring souls to heaven. And that's what I'll do from this day on to I die. Every day I will follow your will, not my own. And when I go out in the morning to work, not so much during COVID, but I usually, um, I consecrate my heart, my soul, my mind, my body, my lips, my tongue. Like your will be done, Lord, not mine. Let's go. What have you got for me today? And every day is an adventure. That's brilliant. So, and, Father uh, John... <laughs> that's brilliant. And just the moments of transformation then for you were... Uh, Medjugorje has obviously played a big part and then the Divine Mercy has as well. Uh, obviously the separation, almost losing everything in your life has obviously been a huge moment too. The, these are the most sort of, uh, these have been the big moments of uh, spiritual change, transformation, where you, you've had an encounter with God and your personal faith has, has become deeper at those, at those specific times. And, you know, it's Divine Mercy, you've really found a spiritual you know, a spiritual basis upon which to make the faith come alive rather than the books you read as a young person that did come to life in the personal application of your faith in, in how you apply your faith Absolutely. to everyday life. Yeah. And one of the things that really touched my heart was watching the way that Father John Keenan um, lived his faith. I mean, even now, you look at COVID. Bishop John, now you know how busy a bishop is, Robert. He... Mm -hmm celebrates Holy Mass at 8 o'clock every morning online, where we have over 200 people watching that Mass every morning. He leads the Rosary every evening at 9 o'clock, where nearly 300 people uh, join him. And for me, that shows how what a spiritual father he is, that he's always concerned about how our faith is growing. So when we were in the university, I said, Father, we need to do something for Divine Mercy. It's quite strong in Paisley, but we need a kind of um, platform in Glasgow. So we need to really start some kind of group. And it would be good if we'd do it at the university. He said, no, Helen, we'll do it for Scotland. I was like, no way, Father John, it's too busy. It's too hard. There's so much work involved. And I'm working full time and I've got children. And he went, God wants it to happen. It'll happen. I'll help you. Well, that was the biggest joke ever because we started. Um, in the September, the very first meeting of the Friends of Divine Mercy Scotland. And prior to that, I had tried when I came back from Medjugorje to obey God's will and start a Divine Mercy group. But my parish priest at that time said, I'm not into Divine Mercy, Helen. Come back and ask me in six months. Six months later, I went back. He said, I'm still not into it. So I went back and said to Father John, and he said, right, start it in your house. So Father John came to my house and we got permission from my parish priest we had a mass in the house. That was 10 years ago, John, and Bishop John just celebrated the anniversary mass just two weeks ago. We would have had it in the house, but because of COVID restrictions, we had to have it in the church. But it was the most beautiful night. 
with just the people that had been in the peer group. We then went for tea and then we did the rosary after Holy Mass. It was absolutely beautiful. And one of the things that Father John told me many years ago was, Helen, many good people start things, but only saints finish them. It's very easy to start groups up, but sustaining them over a long period of time, that's where it shows where the faith is. So I've always remembered what he said, and I've always tried to apply it to everything that I do. So we started it in Glasgow. We then, I said to him, I think we really need a conference. We need something to bring people together from all over so that we can share our faith, learn from each other. And that's how the um, conference has started, Robert. And they've been extremely successful. We're now on the eighth National Divine Mercy Conference and we had our first international one um, last year. We've had Dana from Ireland. We've had, um, oh goodness, his name's just left, Chris Stavanek, who was over at the university several years ago and I wrote to him and asked would he come to our conference and he spoke at it last year. We've had American evangelists, American writers that are involved in Divine Mercy. We've had um, one of the professors who works at Stockbridge in the Divine Mercy in Massachusetts. He came to the conference and stayed at my home. So we've had lots of things. And do you know, the thing is, Robert, when we start these things, I don't have a penny and all my friends will say, how can we do this? We don't have any money. And I said, stop worrying about things like that. If God wants it to work, it'll work and God will send me the money. And do you know, never once, never once, has something not turned out? And I don't worry. I used to, at the beginning, I used to worry about, oh my goodness, there's not as many people coming as I think there should come. And now there's hundreds of people come to the conference. Over five and a half thousand watched the conference last year online. And we have Marino Restrepo from Colombia, who's a very good friend of mine. And he had a very personal experience with Christ. Great. And All these things. And, um, sorry, sorry, yeah. It, for, for those watching who, who've never heard about Divine Mercy, if you could just describe exactly 101 most basic, assuming no knowledge of the topic, what is the Divine Mercy? You know, who was Sister Faustina yeah. and what was her yeah. message? Okay. The basis of Divine Mercy at its most basic is the ABC of mercy. Ask for mercy, be merciful and completely trust in Christ. Um, it all started, I mean, Divine Mercy, or Christ's Divine Mercy has been since the beginning of time, as we all know. But St. Faustina was a beautiful nun in Poland. And our Lord um, came and spoke to her and showed her that he wanted her to paint this picture. And he wanted people to devote and um, give devotion to this picture. And he said that it would be the last hope for people that are dying. He wanted his priests to promote this saying that if you did the chaplet, the Divine Mercy chaplet, um, and the Divine Mercy chaplet is made up of several prayers. Um, you just start of um, me. You've got the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Creed, and then bless certain um, prayers. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, an atonement for our sins and those of the whole world, and then in the ten small beads for the sake of historical passion. Now, she promoted all of this, and her own congregation went against her. 
and she had father um had great um spiritual director who was sent to kind of you know make say that it wasn't really happening that this girl was mentally ill and he ended up being the one that promoted the divine mercy more than sister faustina she did what christ told her but this wonderful priest is the one that put this message across to people that we have to pray this is the last hope before christ comes in judgment he is wanting to give his divine mercy to everyone and I say to lots of people, we have this these little cards with the chaplet and the figure of the Divine Mercy picture there. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And you have to believe that. There's many times in my life, Robert, where I've been very down. I explained one of them when, when David left. But there's been times where I've been betrayed by friends and you've been really down at rock bottom. And you just trust that God will get you through and it's that trusting him and making sure that your soul is clean of sins I always think of us as if we're like flowing water through a, a, a tube or you know a pipe and the more sin we have the more clogged up that pipe is but if we continue to receive the sacraments be fed by the Eucharist go to holy reconciliation go to, and say your rosary Prayer, the power of prayer is phenomenal. And I'll give you a couple of examples of how prayer has been answered very much in my life. My youngest child was um, expecting my grandson and she was told by the hospital to abort the baby. And I was absolutely devastated because as you know, Robert, I'm involved in the 40 Days for Life and I was out at the hospital today and I'm very much a pro-life person. But I always say to people, do not hate the person that's had the abortion. You hate the sin, not the sinner. So we're not there to condemn. We're not there to, to judge anyone. We don't know circumstances. But they were really seriously considering it because they'd been told that the tubes in the heart were all round the wrong way, that the baby had a massive hole in its heart, and if it survived at all, it would only survive for several months. And I prayed and prayed, and I got all the prayer groups that I knew all over the world, all my friends, praying very, very hard. One, my daughter wouldn't take that decision to abort the baby, and two, for God to heal my grandson. And I always go into the chaplaincy out with COVID. Before I go to the office, I always go into the chaplaincy to do my morning prayer in my morning office. And I knelt down and I looked up at the crucifix and I said, Lord, my daughter's going to the hospital today and I am thanking you right now for healing my grandson and I know that everything will be fine. And can I tell you, they went that day. Now, bear in mind, they did a 4D scan, which clearly showed all of these defects. She went to the hospital that Monday, not one defect. And my Marco was born completely, completely healed. And I, we were standing in the kitchen and my daughter's husband said to me one day Helen do you actually believe that it was God do you actually think that it was God that healed Marco and I said I don't think I know and I really don't care what you think Paul I know in my heart and soul that Christ healed our wee baby and he said my God that's what faith is but another wee thing to show you how God answers 
when I'm working for God and there's always barriers and you know that Satan's always at their foot, Robert wanting to stop anything we do, especially the mercy bus, especially Corpus Christi processions that I lead in Glasgow, the ones in Paisley were stopped, but hopefully they'll start again after COVID. And Archbishop Philip, um, God rest his soul, he led us several years from the university to St Columbus. And <coughs> I was organising the Paisley one and I went to see Father Stephen Bailey and I said, Father, the Corpus Christi procession is on such and such, but I really want you to lead it because Bishop John's away, wherever he was. And he looked and he went, you've had it, Helen, I've got a wedding on that day. And I said, well, God told me that he wanted you to lead it. And I said, don't worry, the bride will change the, the date. And he went, no, Helen, brides don't change the date. Robert, he went upstairs to get a book. And when he came down, the phone was ringing and it was the bride. And she wanted to delay her wedding and postpone it for six months. And he led that Corpus Christi procession. And he went, Border, you're at it. He went, I know God answers your prayers, but that's ridiculously fast. I said, God never mucks about. Never. <laughs> you bet. And there, there, is an, uh, there is an indulgence uh, with the Divine Mercy, isn't there, of uh, going to confession on the on Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, Divine have you Mercy Sunday, yes. And yes, have you ever yes, been to Krakow Mercy. as well, the uh, uh -huh. shrine? Yes, yeah. yes. I went to, I God, I, God asked me to do all these things, Robert, and then I think, oh my God, I can't do this. And I think, Helen, what did you say? That you're <laughs> going to trust him. Well, you need to trust him. So he said that he wanted me to get a first-class relic of St. Faustina. And all my priests were saying, Helen, first-class relics are really hard to get. And I said, well, I'm going to apply for one and write and say to them. So we've got a diocesan shrine to Divine Mercy in St. Mary's Church in Paisley. And Father Judocara is the parish priest, who is a wonderful priest and a very holy man. So I asked him, could we have the shrine there? Because there was a lovely wee place that the shrine could go. And it's just beautiful. So I wrote to the sisters in Krakow. And eventually they came back and said, yes, we could have one. So just before lockdown, I went to Krakow with my vicar general, Father Joe Burke, and my friend Jean, who's a, a friend of Divine Mercy, a very active member of the team. And we we picked up the first class relic. We left, we had to leave it in the bishop's office. It came to the house, my own house, for a night. So Father Joe said, Helen, that can't stay in your house. You need to give it to it needs to go into the church. And I said, That's fine. I said, but I just want to pray for one night with it and thank God for what he's done for us all. So I gave it to Bishop John and he kept it in his oratory until only just in the divine, the feast of the divine mercy is the indulgence that you're speaking about, Robert. And God has yeah. promised that if you do the Divine Mercy Novena, which starts in Good Friday and ends in the Saturday before Divine Mercy Sunday, and when he told St. Faustina that he wanted this Novena done, she said, I don't know what to pray for. And he said, I'll tell you. He dictated the prayers for the nine days. So we all start in Good Friday for the Novena, and then on Divine Mercy Sunday, or just round about it, Saturday, or just, you know, Friday or the Saturday, you must have to go to reconciliation and then pay homage to the image. Now, obviously, with COVID, we couldn't kiss the picture, but um, Bishop, eh, sorry, 
Father Joe leads the Holy Hour, the Vicar General, and he kissed the pitch for all of us this year. And we, Bishop John, installed the first class relic, and we were only allowed um, like two cantors to sing. So myself and my friend, who is the, uh, Maria Madden, who is the director of St Andrew's Cathedral Choir that I sing at, he helped me and we did the singing and it was the most beautiful, beautiful service ever. The tears were running down my face when he was installing it and saying, Lord, mm -hmm. how can people doubt you? Because always you come through, always. And people, when I, when I work in the prisons, you know, the prisoners will say to me, you know, I, I get them to open up before I start teaching them the faith. I want to know a wee bit about their story so that I can connect with them. And once they share a little bit with me, I share a little bit with them and they'll say, but how can you be so happy? How do you have so much joy when you've had such misery in your life? Mm. And I said, because it's the hard things in life that make you strong. I said, and that's when your faith has been tested. You don't give up, you just keep going. And the joy that Christ gives you in your faith, there's nothing this, this world can take that joy away. Not the greatest tragedy on earth can take that inner peace and inner joy. And I think that's why I got on so well with them. And when we started the um, the prison ministry, the priest that was working with me was really scared to start it. He went, it might not work. And I went, Father, you're the priest. Why are you saying it will not work when God's told me it will work? But he put me to another prison. He never let me go straight to Berlin. So we went to Low Moss. And I worked with this great deacon, Kenny, a big, big man. I love He was a nurse before he was a deacon. And... We had the most wonderful time. I wrote a six-month, The Joy of the Gospel, and I visited the prison every month, and I had, like, a different feast, or I did a talk. <clears throat> and this day I was going to the prison. This is another miraculous way that God works. This day I was going to the prison. One of the team phoned and said that their child had been taken to hospital. She couldn't come. The priest that was going to talk had a blowout in the motorway and he couldn't come. My other friend was called in to work, and I thought, Lord, I have to get into this prison. I've got nothing prepared. I've got nothing done. What am I going to do? And I went into my pocket, and I took out my rosary, and I thought, I'll teach them the rosary. So in the prisons, Robert, they're very strict, and you're only allowed an hour, and then you're out. Then it's time, time, time. When we got to the end of the hour, the prisoners asked to stay, and they didn't want to go to their next class. So one of the prison guards went and asked permission. I went in there and told them all about the rosary. I, I, and they, they were like totally amazed because I told them the story, you know, not the, just the prayers, but I told them the story of the rosary and how that encompasses everything that we believe. And they went, but how do you know it all? And you're not reading a book. And you're not. I said, because I've been doing it since I was a child. And do you know, Robert, when I walked out of that prison, one prisoner asked to meet the first Holy Communion, one prisoner asked to become a Catholic, and another wow. prisoner said, I'm, wow. I'm going to the open prison next week, Helen, I'm going to go back to Mass. And then this wee guy said he was, he was into drugs and his sister committed um, suicide, and he said, when I get out of here, I'm going to kill them. And I went, that's really clever. I said... You go out there and kill somebody. And that's your mother lost a daughter and a son. He's like, oh, hell, I never thought that. I said, listen, your mum's went through enough heartache. And another prisoner said to me, Helen, I can't sleep at night. So I gave him a rosary. This was another day. Gave him a rosary and I said, 
you go, if you sleep, take the rosary and you will sleep. Well, the next month I went in, Robert, and he's shouting at the top of his voice. He's not even in the room yet. And he's going, Helen, Helen, it worked, it worked. And I went, listen, <laughs> what worked? You know, I put the rosary above my bed and I've slept like a baby since. I said, a stupid so-and-so. I said, you're supposed to pray it, not put it above your bed. But it's, see, that that's why I think Divine Mercy is not just for, for people that are walking about that have got nice lives and family. It's for yeah. everybody, and especially those yeah, yeah. in the periphery, especially those that need to hear God's word when they think that there's no no way back. I spoke to a prisoner, who an ex-prisoner. I can tell them a mile away because I work with them. And he came on the mercy bus this day. Yeah, tell tell us about the... Tell us about the Mercy Bus. So, um, you know, the I Mercy will. Bus is kind of uh, the Divine I Mercy Bus on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, just tell you this sweet story about this this prisoner first. Yeah. And he said, God will never forgive me what I've done, Helen. And I said, there is no sin that God will never forgive if you're truly sorry. And, you know, he was about six foot five, Robert, and he put his arms around me and he was crying like a baby and he, he didn't go to confession but he said you've restored my faith you've restored my belief in life but when he walked away someone went he get done for murder he cut a woman out. I said I don't care what he done we're not here to judge people we're here to show them God's love how the mercy bus started well Father John when he was the bishop decided we were going to have a synod for the Paisley Diocese so we, there was a big group of representatives of all the parishes, and I was a representative for Divine Mercy. And we had workshops on evangelization. And I was reading the Catholic Herald, and I saw this bus that Father, do you know Jimmy Cricket, the, the comedian in Glasgow? Well, his son is a priest. Yeah. And I have just lost his name for yeah. a second. Well, he had got this bus out for the Year of Mercy. But it was saying that this bishop had done this and this bishop had done that. But it was actually this priest who is Frankie, Father Frankie, Frankie Mulgrew. Mulgrew. Father Frankie Mulgrew. Peter, Frankie Mulgrew, yeah. wonderful priest, great friend. And Father Frankie had taken this bus all around uh, England, just teaching about God. And I looked and I thought, one of the things that Catholics really struggle with, Lord, is the sacrament of reconciliation. And trying to come back into a church is really hard for them. And they don't always know when confessions is on. I know some churches have it up on a poster, but a lot of churches don't. And I thought, why don't we have a bus and take the sacrament out to the people? And one of the things that made me think like this was Pope Francis said, go out and get your hands dirty. Get out into the streets and proclaim God's word. We're no longer staying behind walls. Go out and show the joy of the gospel. So I thought, right, okay. So quietly I went around and asked five priests and two music groups, would they work with me if I got a bus? Then I went to Bishop John and I said, Bishop John, I think God wants us to have a mercy bus. And I said, I'm going to go and meet with Father Frankie McGrew, if you allow us. And I think we should get a mercy bus. He said, have you got MD that will do it, Helen? I said, at the moment, I've got five priests that said they'll come. Right, okay, go for it. See, by the time we went on the road, Robert, we had 22 priests and four music groups. Last year, I was told I wouldn't get the bus out during COVID, but God kept telling me, 
don't listen to that. And I'm saying, but God, you told me to obey priests, and the priests are saying no. So I thought, right, go speak to the Bishop Helen. <coughs> Excuse me. And I said, <coughs> Bishop John, people can't get to church. If we stick to one person coming on the bus at the bottom and one at the top, one priest upstairs, one priest downstairs, we'll stay outside the bus, we'll put the sanitizer on, we'll make sure we've got a cleaner, sure, and we'll wear masks on the bus. Surely we can take it out. And he said, let me speak to Father Joe. So the Vicar General and the Bishop had a little meeting and they agreed that, yes, we could have the bus out. Now, Robert, the Mercy bus went out last year. We're usually out for six days. <coughs> we went out five days last year because a lot of the councils wouldn't give me permission to park. So I went to the supermarkets like the Tesco's, the Asda's, and they allowed me to park. We only went out five days and more people went to confessions in 2020 than had went any other year. Right. And that's how we know God. And then we had Holy Mass in Tesco car park. And one of the other things that God asked me to do, um, like the, the man that one of the most important things was, this man who said he would give me a bus in three weeks, before we were going on the road, he phoned up and said, Helen, I can't give you the bus. He said, it's going to cost me too much money. And I said, you're joking. I said, I've got all these people set up to work. I take a week off work and holiday to work in the bus. And I said, OK, no problem. God will send me a bus. Well, that was another, oh, my God, time. I phoned Father Frankie and he said, Helen, I'm coming up to Lanarkshire for a conference. Come to such and such a hotel and come and talk to these people. And I went, who are they? He said, they're the director of the church in need, the, the director of here. And so I went along, gave them a little talk, and he said, have you tried this person? I said, I've tried them all. And this lovely lady gave me the name of the PA of Brian Suter, who is the managing director of Stagecoach. Stagecoach, and, yeah. and he gave me the bus. And he retired last year, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, maybe we wouldn't get the bus. But I wrote to them and said, is it still okay that we can get the bus? So that's how it started, Robert. And it's been, we last year we gave away over a thousand rosaries, a thousand Divine Mercy Catholics, and a thousand Miraculous Medals. And again, we just fundraise for that to try and get money. We ask for, we try to apply for grants, which were not always successful because everybody wants to give to churches, but not Catholic churches, which yeah. is extremely difficult. Yeah, and it seems, I mean, you've done extremely well given how difficult things were last year. And, um, you know, what's it been like being in Scotland where the churches haven't been open for months of this year? And, you know, how's the faith survived? It, it sounds like you've done a great job with the Mercy Bus, but it's, it's been difficult circumstances up there, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been very, 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 very difficult during covid I yep. mean, God bless the uh, technology and being able to be online like this on Zoom. Yep. So although I've not actually managed to, because of the lockdown, get to Mass every day, I have had Mass every day online. Yep. And mm -hmm. what I love is you can move all over the world. One day I can watch Pope Francis, then I can watch Father Michael Caine. Father Michael Caine is from St. Augustine's in Coatbridge, and he's yep. the spiritual director of the Sons of Divine Mercy. And he looks like a wee boy, but he's got the, the wisdom of Solomon and he's a workaholic and he's very very much behind all the work that we do and it's in his parish and his hall that we usually um have the conference when it's not online so 
that some of the, the churches round about, my own parish, um, we've not had as much as for other parishes. So it really depends on the parish priest, I think, Robert, how much, like Father Jim Duggan, Father Michael Kane, Bishop John, um, lots of priests have put lots and lots of information on. Uh, Father Dennis Carlin has the rosary every day with Father Sean. And, you know, so that you can, it's like pick and mix, if you like. But you've had to have that. I mean, disciplines to me is very important in your faith. And if you don't get into the habit of praying, then you can very, very quickly lose your faith. If you're not in the habit of receiving the sacraments, then your soul's not being fed. And I often say this to my girls, you know, um, out of my three girls, only one got married in the Catholic Church, and that broke my heart. And I prayed, and a mother's prayers are always heard. And that, I believe, I always pray to St. Monica. And look at St. Dominic, you know, he ends up a bishop. So, and he was a, a scoundrel, you know, and through her prayers, her son became a great preacher. And now my second daughter was married in the Catholic Church by Bishop John a couple of years ago. And my third daughter is getting married uh, in September in the Catholic Church, although they're married legally. They're now all going to be married in the Catholic Church, and I praise God every day for that. Wonderful. It's, it's lovely to hear Lovely to hear that. And, you know, it's been a really difficult year overall for many of us. And uh-huh. But you've, you've really described how God is at work in Scotland, you know, in the prisons, preaching God's mercy, and, you know, this Divine Mercy Apostolate is, is a wonderful way to... Uh, would you describe it as a devotion? It's, it's a devotion, it's but divine, it's also an apostolate message, as well. Yeah. It's a divine message of devotion. It's your apostolate. God has given you this uh, this mission to do. Um, there's there's lots of great divine mercy groups all over the world, all over mm-hmm. the country, and lots of people will contact me and say, "Can we get involved in this? Would you like to get involved in that?" And I always remember another thing that Father John said: God brings good people together, Robert, for to do His work. But I'm always very aware that Satan's at my ankles, always waiting for an opportunity to try and pull down what we're doing. But as long as we trust, God will always win. And I do believe that in this time, he's given us this time of lockdown to try and reboost our faith. You know, Mm -hmm. I know people that are listening to Mass online that had left the church years ago. And a lot of people are saying, oh, they won't come back, they won't come back. But remember what Pope Benedict said, We'll have a smaller but purer church. And I think that's what will happen. A lot of the young people in the university are far more learned than I was at that age. You know, they know. And we went to a beautiful Latin mass at uh, Catherine Grotto on Friday. And see the fact of receiving Holy Communion in the mouth and kneeling down. It was such a privilege. It really was. Absolutely. And uh, I've really found a spiritual experience during, you know, this lockdown and, and COVID time. You know, we, we've really been stripped back of everything of uh, personal interactions, conferences, meeting, travel, a lot of work stuff cancelled, yeah. been stripped back literally of almost everything. Uh, it's been a wilderness experience. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, my faith has grown leaps and bounds in the last yeah. 18 months of, you know, just realising who God is, what what he has done through for us you know in in the crucifixion and resurrection just knowing looking at a crucifix and knowing that god is real as a person and you know i think you, you've, you've mentioned how your faith has come to life from reading books to going out to the prisons to bringing our faith 
our faith alive. Um, that for me, you know, that this this time has actually been that opportunity because you know we're very busy doing stuff and family and you know all this busyness. But when you're stripped back of everything, then you know that's an opportunity for for to have a much closer relationship with God and just Absolutely. the depth 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 of relationship that we can have with God. And there's so many great people all around the United Kingdom. Um, yeah. You know, despite all the challenges and challenges and you know shenanigans whatever there is that there are incredible people doing god's work and it's, it's beautiful to hear about this divine mercy um apostolate just coming up to um la last question what, what are your plans for the future it sounds like the bus is growing the conference is growing and you know these things have really grown legs over the last 10 years um what are your plans for the future and is it more of the same or have you got more more ideas no, no, no. We'll probably get something new. <laughs> yeah. This priest contacted me from France. And one of the things that I think the Catholic Church is lacking in at the moment is adoration. When I was a wee girl, there was always adoration on a Thursday night, a Tuesday night. You had the Stations of the Cross. All the devotions seemed to have disappeared before COVID. And um, just before COVID started, I was having meetings with this lovely priest in France and he comes over and gives a, a, like a mini retreat, if you like, Robert. So what we're trying to do in the Diocese of Paisley is to have perpetual adoration, not in one parish, but over the diocese, so that at every second of the 24-hour day, someone will be adoring Christ in the monstrance. So that is my plan. This is one of the new things that we will be taking on board, maybe not um, during the COVID time, but when COVID actually gets lifted. And as you know, we're not really allowed to go to France and he'll not be allowed to come here. So when the restrictions are lifted, he will be coming over here. And I've already got the first four parishes set up and um, ready to receive this wonderful gift. Because I think that apart from the Holy Mass, to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament, if we listen to Mother Teresa, before she did her work every day, she sat for an hour with her sisters and adored Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And we've tended as Catholics to forget that and to forget that closeness with Christ. So that is what we'll be going on to do this next couple of years. Yeah, I've, I've been to uh, several parishes in Canada that have perpetual adoration chapels. And so for 24 hours, 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, 52 yeah. weeks a year, all the time there's somebody praying in the parish yeah. and i mean it's just got to transform a parish if you've got that kind of presence there and just you know it's kind of having a prayer powerhouse right in the middle of the the parish is, is absolutely yeah. incredible well we're coming up on um almost uh an hour coming to the end of end of our uh, interview thank you so much helen it's been really interesting to really interesting hearing the work that you're doing in scotland uh, i've just been so impressed hearing about the mercy bus and and also Divine Mercy Apostolate, you know, what, what a blessing that is. And to know that you're reaching people with exactly the message that, you know, message of love, to know people who don't feel that, like, they can be forgiven. You know, Divine Mercy is, is just exactly but everyone. that, that, and that message. And also, Robert, one yeah. of the last things I'd like to say is just that mm -hmm. we have a tremendous team. One of the things Jesus says in the Gospel is he sends the, the apostles out two by two. And we have a beautiful team of really devoted people that love God. That work. I could never do this work without a team. And, you know, we're just like a family. And, you know, Bishop John is 100% behind us. 
Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's great. Really great what you're doing and sending people out two by two. It's uh, the apostolate and it sounds like it's growing as well, having an international conference and the French priest coming along as well. So going, going beyond uh, national yeah. borders there as well. So thank you so much, Helen, for your time. It's been fascinating hearing your story. And I really hope that God continues to bless your ministry uh, with the Divine Mercy Apostolate in, so in, in Scotland, that you continue to grow, continue to reach new people and um, keep up the great work. We value and appreciate it. Thank you so much for the interview today. Um, and Thank look, you so much, Robert. It's been great to speak with you and may God, God bless you. And uh, we look forward, to, look forward to hearing how your work continues in, in the coming years. So thank you so much, Helen. Thank you so much, Brilliant. everybody, for Thank listening. And uh, we'll catch you, catch you next time.